Welcome to the ProcureTech Podcast, where we aim to excite and inspire you about how technology will shape our profession's future. I'm your host, James Meads, and I worked in corporate procurement for 16 years before starting my own business as a content creator and consultant in the procurement technology space. I'm deeply convinced that procurement must become less technocratic and embrace the entrepreneurial spirit and creativity if we're ever going to shake off our image of being a process-obsessed, box-ticking function. You definitely won't find vanilla content on here, and we're not afraid to tackle some controversial topics and tell it like it really is. So if that's your thing, now let's jump right into this week's episode. Yes, hello, greetings, and welcome to another episode of the ProcureTech podcast. We are the official podcast of procurementsoftware.site, which is your one-stop shop if you want to research, filter, select, and drill down on all of the different procurement tech solutions that are out there. And you can do that in less time than it takes to boil an egg. We don't have any complicated charts. We don't have any corporate jargon. We just have all of the solutions listed with filters that you would want to apply to find the shortlist of providers that match your needs and requirements. And of course, it is free of charge to use. But we're not here to talk about procurementsoftware.site. We are here to talk about procurement software, of course, And specifically, the conversation today is going to be about the old chestnut of how do you get faster implementation and how do you get good user interface and user experience into your very key list of criteria when it comes to selecting your providers. So conversation we're going to have today is all about the importance of those two factors and how they're often overlooked but really they are the linchpin that is going to be at the success or not, as the case may be, of your procurement tech solution provider uh, of choice when you go out and select and implement a solution. So to have that conversation with me, I'd like to welcome back the stalwart of the ProcureTech podcast and frequent guest on this series, Mr. Ward Carson, COO of Raindrop. Welcome again, sir. My pleasure, James. Always outstanding talking to you. Thank you so much for allowing me to spend some time here with you. And it's always fun chewing the fat we do about these topics as well, because I know we we often share similar views on this. So just before we dive in, for anyone that's maybe not caught the other episodes that we've done, just give a really brief overview of how you came into this space and your background and what you're now doing, obviously, as a board member of a solution provider. Yeah, absolutely. So I think like most people in our industry, I actually uh, accidentally fell into procurement uh, and actually never left. It's the only uh, career I've ever had. uh, And it's only been 30 some odd years uh, have gone (laughs) by. (laughs) Uh, Shamelessly dating myself on this one. But uh, you tend to see a thing or two along the way when you do anything for over 30 years. So I'm, I'm certainly no different. And uh, how did we fall into this is, look, at the end of the day, we've all used the same procurement software packages that routinely seem to come up or have been around for at least as long as I've been in this industry. We call it procurement, both direct spend and indirect spend as well. And so uh, even to this day, we still use other competitive solutions to take a look at if we're performing procurement services on behalf of our clients. That really got frustrating about half a dozen years ago. We said, you know what, it's time for us to do something about this. So yeah, we put our money where our mouth is. And about four years ago, we created this company 
to be a full-blown P2P enterprise spend management suite uh, solution. Uh, we call it Raindrop. So we're super proud of Raindrop. And I think it really, what it does is more than anything, it, it takes all this, you know, what's up here in between the ears uh, of the brain of, a, of procurement resources and practitioners and leaders in our space and turn it into a, a digital solution that, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's, we built what's not out there is probably a better way. It's not just a prettier face of what is out there. And I think going to your point, that's a great introduction, but going to your point about building what isn't already out there, I think these two specifically are really pertinent because when you look at the source to pay or procure to pay space, specifically UI, UX and speed of implementation is is often where they fall down, especially if you're looking at something that's going to compete with with the enterprise suites. I mean, you've got best of breed procure to pay tech that is more like that is more light touch and that's aimed more at tech companies or or, or or SMEs, SMBs. But when you're looking at the enterprise space, there isn't really much out there that you can uh, that has the features that you can still you know implement in a relatively short period of time and that has the usability that a lot of these best of breed uh, apps and, and and single point solutions have. So if we start, let's split it into two because we're two quite distinct. Uh, areas to the discussion that I wanted to have on this. So let's start off with implementation. You know, people don't have over a year now to to see return on investment on this tech. You know, budgets are getting tighter. We've got a lot of economic headwinds. As anyone that that watches the news or keeps an eye on Twitter or any sort of source of of media can see, you know, it's it's going to be tough. And in the geopolitical situation that we're facing with supply chains and risk and everything else that procurement's being dragged into to firefight, the last thing that they want on their hands is an extended consultancy project with an implementation time of, of over a year to implement some procurement tech. So talk to me a little bit about how much of this is actually down to the complexity or even the age and legacy of the software versus what I guess you could also point the finger at is end customers not knowing what they what, what they want and just lack of preparedness on their side. You know, where does the pendulum swing there? Yeah, so I, I love your question, and here's the reality: is I think there's the grand fallacy of our entire industry, which is, and and you as a procurement practitioner, and frankly anybody who's listening to this right now uh, knows this really well. We are absolutely, and we've been conditioned to be over the past thirty five years or so to be the frog in the boiling pot of water. You know, we start with the cool water. Well, what's the cool water? Well, we're going to give you this great solution that's going to solve everything in your entire life's problems. The problem is it takes 12 to 18 months to 24 months to deploy. And I think we've come to accept that that is the norm and that's okay. And then I could hire, you know, and spend 2x my annual uh, license cost in the one-time deployment cost. And now I have a CapEx and that I'm going to need an army of consultants or even internal, you know, my own resources, my own internal costs, right, to go ahead and justify that I'm going to launch a procurement solution. And I think you're spot on the money, which is it's it's beyond bewildering to me that we have been conditioned mentally that it's okay to take that long to deploy a piece of software. Yes, is it powerful? Yes, does it do a lot of things? Yes, does it solve my needs? Yes, is there eventually in 10 years an ROI? Of course, I'm okay with all those things. But what I'm not okay with, and one of the things that we saw as as a real issue, uh, is that it takes forever money, it takes forever time. And I don't think people have this, to your point, right? Supply chains are restricted. Uh, There's a lot of risk in the channel right now. 
money is tight. Money is expensive right now, right? So we look at these things and we say, how do you do something better? I'm going to give you a story. Maybe this might answer, uh, this anecdote might answer part of the question as well. You and I might have talked about this before. It slips in my memory, but I'll say it anyway. A industry analyst uh, for one of the large firms was talking to a uh, very large procurement software company that uh, was recently taken private. And while uh, speaking with them, they were bragging and talking about how they've managed to be so efficient they could take one full month off of their deployment. And I know, I know this analyst specifically turned to them and said, but Raindrop doesn't even need a month to deploy. And I think that difference between, and, and not to shamelessly plug my company, but I think that difference of understanding that you have legacy tech Things that were created back when, okay, right? Uh, technology was different. It was perpetual license software, it was on premise. And how do you sassify that, right? Um, I think that we've become conditioned to, okay, I'm the frog in the cool water that now the heat's being applied and that it's normal to have 12, 18, 24 month deployments uh, that are big, heavy, expensive. And then, of course, let's not forget. I have to keep the running cost of the bodies around in order to keep this thing stood up and running. I'll give you a last anecdote here. Uh, with our company, we were talking to a uh, insurance company about uh, potentially selling into them to solve their issues and what have you. And when we quickly got on the call, realized that four resources actually had a competitor's software's name and their title that put food on their kids in their kids' mouths, put food on their table, paid their rent, and those type of things. We realize that there's something wrong with this system. You shouldn't need four people to keep your system up and running. You're probably looking at close to a million dollars of OPEX run rate just for your own internal costs to keep the system running. And that is the grand fallacy of our industry. And that's what needed the change. And that's one of the reasons why we decided to start this company. In that last example you gave then, so it's their in-house people that they're actually employing. Mm to make sure that their internal users can get the most out of the software, if I understood you correct. I think of it this way. You go to buy a brand new car. And James, you know, there's a lot of lovely good cars out there. Don't get me wrong. And I'm being uh, metaphorical here for the procurement software world. You have a 30-year-old Mercedes S-Class. And it comes with a full-time mechanic to keep it up and running, which may not always happen, by the way. And it's sitting right next to a brand new Tesla. That costs half the price of the Mercedes. That requires no support. You take a look at that and you say, it's fairly common sense. But our industry has been such that, hey, my UI, my UX is really difficult to navigate. It's expensive to link across different into different systems. I'm talking about into ERP, the payables, the downstream, the upstream as well, the whole PR to PO. And if I have a sourcing event, what does that hook into? Right. So those type of things, it became a no-brainer for us to say that the industry really should be shifted over to we sell new Teslas. You can get in. It doesn't require a user guide to figure out how to use. I guess I always thought if you need a user guide to tell you how to use the software, well, guess what? You probably didn't make good software. It shouldn't be the user's issue. Got it. So if I take that, then what can you do then as Raindrop to prevent yourselves from being in that exact same position as the legacy providers are now in 10 years' time? Because you, you, it runs the same risk, right? Logically, that if, you, if you've got a really new platform now that's cutting edge and it's beating the legacy players because it's built on a more modern tech stack, there's going to be some new provider in 10 years' time, theoretically, that's going to throw the same accusation as, uh, at you that your legacy tech at that point. 
Yeah, so let's forget my company for a little. Let's talk about there's a lot of good new software in the procurement space that's coming out, which I'm really excited about because I really actually believe that a rising tide lifts all boats, right? And 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 we'll be part of that as the new generation of solutions that are out there on the street right now available to add value to the client base. Uh, and what you really think about is what's the tech foundation that this company is built on? You've obviously heard the term, you, you've probably used the term frequently about uh, technical debt. I tend to think of it as technical concrete. Effectively, the tech stack that you as a company decided you've built on, right, is going to get, I guess I'd say, more archaic over time. That's just natural logical progression. And so when we realized that that actual tech stack you used is dynamic, it's flexible, allows ease of integration with different systems. Uh, so do we have API? Do we have webhooks? Do we have other ways of getting information in and out? Or am I more stuck with uh, more difficult in integrations? Is it easy to use? Is it, uh, I don't need heavy support levels, right? Whoever those providers are, I fundamentally believe that that will trump the nth degree detail, the feature and functionality that uh, some of these heavier solutions that are you know 20 and 30 years old are. And I think there's a lot of good solutions out there today that are new and up and coming that uh, really feature this. It's quick to deploy. It's easy to use. It integrates really well with multiple systems to get information in and out. And I think there probably will never be tired of having, or never will get old, if I could use the phrase, to be able to have something easy to use, quick to deploy, and easy to get information in and out with multiple different systems. I think that's really key features here. And that UI, UX, that ability to kind of get information across quickly into multiple systems and parse it out, I think that's not necessarily a new concept, but I think that manifesting itself out there in all these different new technologies that um, help support our industry. And it's okay if it's a point solution or if it's really a full suite, as long as that's the philosophical and technical approach they're using to to solve their issues. Why is source to pay and and procure to pay software particularly complex when it comes to implementation? Because we've all seen some of the claims of, of some of the best of breed solutions that say digitize in a day or implement within a week. And I'm not challenging them that that's fundamentally incorrect, but it does make you scratch your head when even if you've got you know, modern platforms straight out of the box that you've recently developed and you know, you're still talking about a couple of months to implement it. What makes S2P and P2P particularly complex versus something like I don't know, spend analytics or contract management or third-party risk software that's, that, that's perhaps a little bit more straightforward to implement? Yeah, I think the commonality is the letter that you used just to, at the top of your question, which is the letter P. So when you're talking about the downstream or upstream, Right, you're talking about. Let's. Um, there's some good solutions out there. We might be one of them uh, that do spend intake really well. Hey, Ward over in the HR department wants to go buy a silver spoon today. How do I get that process started? Oh, I just click here. Okay, what is that integrated into? Well, it just has to integrate into a queue that gets me into my procurement team that says, okay, Ward wants to go buy that silver spoon today, and that's fine. Ultimately, something has to integrate with getting the money out the door to the supplier wherever that is. So that whole S2P, P2P, the commonality is the pay. And when you're talking about that, you're now you're touching the ERP system. And you know the reality is there's a lot of, a lot of ERP systems out there. It could be from old, item, uh, old solutions to new solutions. I mean, we've integrated, you know, we've heard folks say they have some solutions that are still just perpetual on-prem based licenses, you know, solu- uh, ERPs. And you wonder, okay, well, we have to do 
some way to get some uh, information in and out. And those challenges themselves cost a lot of money to do that. It takes time to do that. And those types of things, there's complexities in doing it. But I think if you have things like our standalone solutions, let's say um, I have a sourcing tool. Okay, I don't have to integrate with anything because it's not being asked to pay anything. So if I just have the sourcing tool, again, shameless plug, yes. You know, Raindrop, we could have your sourcing tool up and running in, I don't know, two days, maybe less. Why? Because all I need to do is load up whoever's using it. I could just have your supplier or two or maybe 10 or whatever your supply count is. Do all that for you, knock it out, and you're up and running. It doesn't integrate necessarily unless you want it to. It doesn't have to because procurement owns that and procurement manages that. Procurement funds that piece. And procurement says, hey, I only have five or 10 or even 20 users of a sourcing tool. Ah, but you want to advance that conversation and get a bill paid someday. Guess what? That integrates with multiple systems. It integrates and you have a bunch of people that have to touch it. The payables team has to touch it. FP&A probably is involved, right? And so you're talking about different integration levels. And that, that, that turns, uh, you know, complexity and resources and what have you. And the real magic is how does that happen with each technology solution provider? That's a little bit where it takes to, hey, is my, is my software modern? Could I integrate easily with these solutions? And that's where the expense of some of the older legacy packages maybe don't have that uh, advantage. Yeah, that's interesting. So anything that touches payment and also anything where stakeholders outside of procurement typically would have to use it, the implementation from what I hear is going to take longer than if it's a a relatively straightforward piece of technology that, that doesn't need to integrate with other tech internally. And you potentially, if you look at spend analytics, is probably the most obvious example it's a standalone tool. Yes, it needs feeding with data, but typically only someone in procurement and finance is going to use it, right? You're not going to have the guy coming out of his, uh, coming out of a factory covered in oil that wants to order a spare part, or, uh, you know, you're not going to have a, an office assistant that's casually, that casually uses a, a system to order office stationery or, uh, or, or photocopy a toner. It's, um, it's a completely different set of stakeholders and breadth of stakeholders that are going to, that are going to use a procure to pay tool versus something that's more specifically geared towards procurement or finance, right? The nice thing about the analytics, and you're absolutely right. So you can have, and let's not just, you know, box it into spend analytics, which I think is obvious at the end of the day. But as a procurement, so let, let's just look at Ward as the procurement resource for a minute, which, which I really still wear that hat every day for the last 30x years, is I want to know who I'm spending money with. I want to know how much I'm spending with them. And I want to know what my contractual commitments and obligations are associated with the companies I'm spending with and how much I'm spending. And I should have access to all three of those respective pieces of intelligence, ideally with a click of a button or two, not many, right? I should be able to drill down very quickly. So if you're talking about, I do have spending integration with uh, an ERP system, maybe a procurator, maybe a P card system, maybe a TNE card system. But what if I bought another company? And they have their own, obviously, ERP system. Okay, well, now I have a couple. What happens if I have uh, affiliates all around the world? Maybe I have 30 ERP systems all around the world. Okay, now we're talking about getting complex. But at the end of the day, to your point, I still have a finite number of resources engaging here. You're right. It's not going to the manufacturers. So if I'm like, let's say, General Motors, and I'm in the business of manufacturing cars, I don't need licenses for everybody on the manufacturing floor. I just need it for the finance team, the procurement team, eh, maybe legal ones to know how the contracts are engaged, maybe not, right? 
And so I do have some finite. And so I think it's quicker. Uh, and there's a real ROI because I think information powers empowers people uh, to be able to make wise decisions and change the course of their, uh, the chart of their uh, company to be able to add value. I think these more complex, you're right, you are right, uh, S2P. I think the real point though that we talked about S2P and P2P is, do I have to hire the army of consultants in order to be able to gain value 12, 24 months later? And I, I, if that answer could be, you know what, if I can make that as quick and painless as I can implementing a sourcing tool, for example, that we just talked about, or a analytics tool that we just talked about, I think that would be huge value out there and shift the paradigm of how the procurement professional really should be looking. And the finance professional, legal professional, I don't want to just box into procurement here, uh, should be looking at uh, solving their issues. Got it. So let's move on now to UI, UX, or user interface, user experience for anyone that's perhaps not familiar with that terminology, uh, because I do hate acronyms. Elon Musk, I think it was said, acronyms seriously suck, or ASS for the the acronym, which I thought was genius. (laughs) So I'd like to begin this one with a widely held view, and I think it was... Professor Florian Kleermann, who I had in, on the show in Series 2 that echoed this as well, that the choice of solution provider is less important than having the right change management strategy and the right talent within an organization. And I wanted to ask, to what, what extent would you concur with this? I think what we're seeing, and maybe that's just because I'm getting older, is there is a... There's a smarter, more tech savvy, and perhaps a little bit more wherewithal individual that is now entering into the procurement industry. And I think we've seen these folks who got on, and, and maybe these are the millennials, pardon me using a label there for a second, that understand how to play with technology, maybe better than my generation or your generation did. I do think that having a UI and UX is critical. And I think the ability to navigate quickly is, is really what matters. Look, we've all used legacy technology. I think Microsoft probably would be hindered if they were still selling Microsoft Word 4.0. They need to... (laughs) Right? That's just the reality of the world. The products will evolve and make it better over time, more user-friendly. And that feedback that says, in the consumer world, if you put a piece of legacy technology out there, it would die instantly because nobody would use it. And so why B2B actually accepts that as the norm as it's okay, you know, that's bewildering to me. But I think that you're starting to see the smarter kind of new age folks who say, what I'm, my demand is I need to have a UI UX that is easy to navigate and doesn't require, like I said, that user manual on how to consume the software. So I guess I would concur with your, uh, you know, your prior guest, the professor, who said, yeah, I mean, UI UX really is what's going to drive our industry. And you are seeing that, of course, right? You could take a look at these new providers out there and you could find out that it really should be pretty easy to use. I should navigate without having to be told, here's where I have to click. It should be fairly self-evident. It should be quick to deploy. And I think those features are really important as we go through. And, and I don't know that the ERP industry has had anyone come in to help make that change. I mean... Doesn't look like it, does it, if you've used any of them? <laughs> well, I've used, I used to work at Oracle. I was in their IT, enterprise IT procurement team, right? I ran that little group for a little bit uh, for a short while. And, you know, we always were, we were using iProcurement. We were using the ERP system itself, of course. And then we bought um, JD Edwards, bought PeopleSoft. These systems really haven't evolved too much over time. 
And you have to wonder who's going to come into that ERP space. I know Workday tried to make that their uh, solution uh, when they started the company and spun out after PeopleSoft's acquisition, they started that. And so I think there was attempts at uh, playing in the ERP space. I would love to see more. And I know there's uh, specifically some analysts in the space as well that would love to see new invention in the ERP space. I think that that was a logical extension into uh, the PR to PO, the, the P, let's call it the P2P space. Uh, that would should get more modern as well. Yeah. Yeah. Long-winded answer of saying, yes, I agree that I agree with their position. Yeah. And I think, and you know, you're always going to be right that you I mean you can have a solution provider that isn't particularly intuitive with, with a world-class team. But then if you've invested all of the money and talent and in change management, then why would you, then why would you pick a dog of a software solutions provider to to dump onto them if you've got a top performing team? It it does sort of beg that question, right? If you're generally an organization that invests in people and in process, then then why would you go with legacy tech? I, I, I do get that. Let's flip the question on its head then a little bit and say, let's say that you're going to go with a solution provider that's got best in class UI, UX. What are the sort of structural problems or perhaps, you know, data or people problems that that solution, no matter how good it is and how good it looks, is never going to fix within an organization. What are the watchouts if you're trying to do this from a starting position of, of having an immature organization or perhaps poor data? I'm going to take a step back before answering that question and I'll uh, solve it a little bit differently. I'll say what we have to get away from in our industry, and I think this applies to any industry, by the way, I'm not just talking about procurement. And perhaps the reason for existence of, of, of uh, you know, your organization itself is that our industry in general suffers from an age-old conundrum that is referred to as nobody gets fired for recommending IBM. Now, that saying probably hasn't been relevant for over 20, 30 years, but well, maybe 30 years ago it was, but it hasn't changed. So when you have people who say, look, it's taken me forever in my procurement career to get to the top of the pyramid. I'm finally the CPO, or I head up this organization in procurement. That's important to that person. It goes back to saying they're putting food on their table. They're putting food in their kid's mouth. They're paying for school. They're paying for rent. They're paying for everything, insurance. Do I want to rock the boat by going and finding a solution that, well, maybe it's better UI, UX. Maybe it's easier to deploy. Maybe it's cheaper. Maybe it has, my team might like using it better. But it has this unknown entity. It's not the brand name that everybody's been used to hammered into their head for the last 30 years. I think that piece is where we have to get over that entire, hey, it's okay to think outside the box if you want to even call it that. To me, this should be the norm, which is there are solutions out there that fit my need, um, that we don't suffer that nobody gets fired for recommending IBM mind to think. So yeah, I don't know if I'm necessarily answering it, but that, that is uh, one thing that I think we need to feel uh, different about, and, and and that's going to help advance the state of the industry in general. I think that will open up things to have people add value to their company. Yeah, yeah, no, it does answer it. It's a little bit, a slightly different answer than I was expecting. But what you're effectively saying is that it's not so much of a capability or a leadership issue. It's more of a mindset problem that perhaps CPOs, you know, compared to perhaps their colleagues in sales and marketing, are a little bit too conservative and and set in their ways and. And cautious about about taking risks, whereas 
in the startup world, it's it's obviously the norm, isn't it? So no, that that does answer it. And I've I've just seen that as well. That especially you know just trying to sell stuff as a consultant to procurement professionals is uh, is a lot harder than trying to sell something to marketing teams of procurement tech companies, for example. It's uh, I, I that very much resonates with me, hundred percent. Well, let's let's use one thing really quick. I'm sorry to interject, but if you have something that actually provides an easier user experience, it's quick to deploy, and it has, uh, you know, and people actually the, the, the ease of use thing really has nothing to do with the fact that look, Ward, Mike Ward's children could figure out how to use modern software. They do it all the time. I mean, kids, you can give a one year old a, a, a iPad, and they can navigate around pretty quickly on some, you know, modest software. Um, I think that that, if you could take that B2C example and move it into B2B and you say, what's the advantages? The advantages is not that it's just easy to use, but you can get increased stakeholder adoption. Uh, listen, I think any legacy system, I don't care if it's P2P or if it's ERP or if it's CRM, suffers stakeholder adoption. Why is that? Well, let's take uh, Dr. Chester Karras. You obviously know the name from probably 30, 40, 50 years ago. He drew on the blackboard. Yes, actually, chalkboard. Uh, he With chalk, he drew the letter A and on one side of the chalkboard and the other side of the chalkboard, he drew the letter B and he drew a letter and a, a line, an arrow from A to B. And he said, A is I need, B is I got. Where in between A and B do you see the word procurement? And the answer is nowhere, right? So I personally always thought that you tell me how many employees you have and I'll tell you how many buyers you got because everyone has a need and they're going to go buy it, whether you're involved with procurement or not. So you have to insert yourself, interject in between A and B and split that and say, hey, I'm adding value. And I can do it in with uh, some, some, some efficient ways. So what's the benefit of ease of use solutions? Increased stakeholder adoption. And if I have increased stakeholder adoption, what do I get? Reduced maverick spend, higher addressable spend, managed spend. Those are huge values that we're talking about now. Faster onboarding of suppliers is also a big one, isn't it? Yeah. Absolutely. Make it easy. Let's not think just about the folks who are spending the money. Let's think about the people who want the money because there's two sides to every table, right? One who has the money, one who wants the money. And if you think about that, I want to make the experience, the user experience, easy on those who could get onboarded into my environment. So I have a marketplace that my supplier signs up in should be a relative it should be relatively modest and minor effort in order to do that. It shouldn't be this heavy, burdensome, okay, now you have to fill out this and click I I was asked on board into one legacy solution at one point in time and I had to fill in what's called our EIN number here in America four different times and four different screens. And I thought to myself, I understand why they had to do that. I don't think the average user probably did, but that's because this provider bought four different companies and integrated four different solutions. And that's the user experience. Slap the you know coat of paint on it and say it's one user experience, which clearly it was not. And I think that that is where adoption suffers. People have to get involved to go pick the sticks up and go try to build something out of it. So yeah, I think that value proposition of making it easy will increase. You talk about reduction of maverick spend, uh, increased addressable spend, increased cost savings. If cost savings is your number one driver, this tough economy is really should be focused on quality supplier relationships that add benefit to your company. Yeah, and I think once you get that, then overall, especially if we're talking procure to pay or source to pay, you you can then also get a greater degree of self service from your stakeholders too. You know, we've we've spoken at length about procurement being under the cost and having to do more with less, but especially if it's non critical, non complex items, if you've got a solution that stakeholders actively want to use rather than 
trying to find find a way of around not using it, then the higher the likelihood is that they're going to go in and 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 purchase themselves through through a catalog without procurement having to touch it, other than you know maybe ticking the box and sending the PO out to the vendor. So again, that good UI UX facilitates. I guess a re- not only a reduction in maverick spend, but a, a, a reduction in the in in the transactional workload that that the average tactical buyer is going to have to undertake. How many times have you made a phone call at the companies you've worked at to get your password reset, and you call into the help desk? How many tickets every day at any company are to get password reset? Well, what happens if you had a solution where you didn't have to call into the help desk? You had to answer your you know, secret question, your middle name, what your school you went to, what street you grew up on. Or maybe you just say, okay, great, I'm going to click on all these CapChat boxes that have uh, stoplights in them. And, and these are different, more modern ways I can help resolve to uh, you know, my password. I think when you're, you're, you're absolutely right, and I use that kind of metaphorical example for, yes, I, it should be more self-service. So modern software solutions, and again, right, shameless plug here with Raindrop, is really all about self-service. So when someone walks in and says, what's the status of my requisition? Where's my PO? Where's my payment to my invoice? Is my supplier onboarded? All those things should be fairly self-evident. I could just go into my dashboard and I can mouse over it and I should be able to see it. I shouldn't need to go have that GNA consumption. Look, because procurement has to do more with less. They should actually have to automate that and make it easier on the internal consumer. Again, that goes back to the stakeholder adoption point. So a couple of things that I wanted to ask you just before we wrap this up. First one, why do you think that large consultancies still partner with technology that, let's be polite, is not really cutting edge any longer? If everything that we've said is true and a lot of these legacy systems do take over a year to implement in some cases, why are these big boys still working with them? Yeah, it's just the thing that rules everything in this world, money. Right. That's, that's the bottom. No, that, and it's not to be cynical. It's to be honest. Right. Um, at the end of the day, I think modern providers, and you could pick any of them in the procurement space, and there's a lot of good ones, but look on their website and see if they have a partner list of all the huge deployment professional services consulting shops. Probably not so much. But if you look at some of the old legacy tech, and you're going to see every single large, heavy uh, consultancy uh, deployment professional services shop listed. And I think that it goes, it speaks back to that same point, which is why is our industry not shifted? And honestly, one of the foundational principles why we started this company called Raindrop was because we really got tired of having to hire the, you know, I won't name drop them, but large consultancy firms to, you know, spend $350 an hour for this architect. Maybe it's $400 an hour for that architect. Maybe it's, you know, offshore labor is going to cost me not $25 an hour anymore. Maybe it's $35 an hour should be normal. And you sit there and you say, wow, I have to deploy all this for a couple of years or maybe even a year. I tend to think of it this way. These people, look, it helps our economy. We have to put food on the table for our families. We have to pay our rent. And again, it goes back to why was that decision made in the very first place? And the answer to that question is nobody gets fired for recommending IBM. And I think when we get past that main think of older procurement resources who are now at the top of the food chain who want to play it safe because guess what? I also need my paycheck every two weeks. I don't want to rock the boat. Just go get the normal one that everyone's used to. It comes with a one-time huge implementation cost. I have to hire that large consultancy. right? These large consultancy firms are not going to be building big practices of $100 million deployment service organizations around new procurement tech providers. You know that as well as anybody. And I think that right. is somewhat yeah. fearful. I think that's somewhat fearful to them. If the legacy tech is overcome by new solutions, I got news for you. These big, heavy professional service consultancy firms are going to 
uh, start losing headcount because they're not going to be needed as much. And that is that um, balancing act that I think we as a, as an industry in procurement need to figure out how to get past. Yeah, and it's a time and materials business, isn't it? Consultancy. I mean, even if you're paying for projects as a as a, as a fixed fee, ultimately, it's, of course, it's man, it's man, it's manpower that's uh, that's the main cost driver behind it. So if you've got the ability yeah. to sell more hours and more subject matter experts to deploy a particular complex piece of tech, then selfishly, as one of these big implementation houses, that's that's how they make their money. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. My favorite thing is when you have procurement resources to say, you know what, I actually need a fixed bid price on that, which is fine. Well, all they're going to do is turn around and say, okay, I'm going to give you my T&M estimate, and then I'm going to put what referred to as a risk cap on top. And risk caps... There's a risk factor, yeah. Yeah, the risk cap is 20 to 30%. That's just, you should use that absolutely as your general rule. So if I have something, my T&M should generally cost me, let's say this project is a dollar as an estimate, but you absolutely mandate that I take this as a fixed fee project fixed deliverable project, fixed outcome project. Sure, I could do that, but it's going to cost you $1.30. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I think that we have to think about, you know what, why am I even spending that $1 in the first place? I should get something that's pretty quick to deploy and maybe only spend 50 cents. That's where the mind think I think we're talking about needs to change. And I think that as you're getting this new generation of resources into the procurement world who say, hey, I'm no longer willing to accept the nobody gets fired for IBM as a standard uh, metaphor, if I can, for the legacy tech in our industry, never mind ERP industry, never mind CRM industry, right? I'm talking about every one of them, is that we get these new re- new thinking resources in there to say, you know, I do need something going back to the top of our entire discussion. The premise of this is easy to use UI UX, quick to deploy, and easy to get information in and out. I think that those are never going to fall out of uh, out of fashion. So last question before we before we wrap this up and, and go on with our day. What things do you think that world-class talent and the right change management strategy are never going to be able to fix if you're still looking at or if you're still stuck with one of these legacy providers? You know, even if you've got the right people and the right processes in place, what, what is it never going to fix? Frustration. Frustration, noise on the channel, right? You, you can never fix that. You're never going to have anybody who, everybody, right? You can, you can never make all people happy all the time, right? That, that's just the reality. And I think that people are going to challenge, get challenged with how do I use this? How do I plug this in? Uh, how many people can pick up an iPhone and not have an idea on how to go and navigate the system even after being trained on how to use it? Well, you know, there's a certain class of individuals that are going to have struggle, right, with that. And I think that when that happens, it exacerbates. And obviously, this weak wheel gets the grease. And so that's going to get noise in the channel. That's going to create, you know what, how do I use this? I'm not happy with this. Everything is overcome eventually through um, advancing the quality of the state of technology from Stone Age to today, right? Where now we have round wheels, they roll faster. We have better brakes. We have more aerodynamic cars that run on batteries. Everything will get better. And I think that the user community ultimately will start moving towards that. Hey, I want to have something easy to use, quick to deploy, lower cost. Um, And you could think of things as, and it never falls out of fashion. Faster, cheaper, easier uh, is pretty much the the calling card with. And I think what should be probably the software world in general. It's usually pick two out of three, isn't it? That's the saying. Cheaper, faster. <laughs> what is it? Cheaper, 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 faster, better. Cheaper. Pick two out of three. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. No. I, I we'll, listen. We'll we'll all get there. But I am highly and highly enthused and encouraged with the state of our procurement industry software in general. The one that you help uh, moderate, to manage, and and take a look at and analyze. 
Uh, there's a lot of great modern solutions out there. I, I encourage anyone listening to this. They probably are open-minded to that. Um, and again, let's not suffer the conundrum of uh, you know, nobody gets fired for recommending IBM. Uh, with which, whichever solution you uh, and your organization need in the entire P2P cycle, please make it modern, make it easy to use, make it quick to deploy, make it a modest cost, and you'll have successful engagement. Okay, so before we sign off, just let anyone that's listening to this know where they can get hold of you if they would like to learn more. Yeah, absolutely. Raindrop.com. And you can personally reach out to me and I'm more than happy to hear from anybody. My email address is very simple. It's just ward at raindrop.com. So ward is W-A-R-D. Try to make it pretty easy, but I'll leave it at that. Ward at raindrop.com. Give me a shout. Send that or click onto our website. You could also ask for help there or sign up and there'll be a whole host of folks who'd be happy to help you out. Wonderful. Thanks again, Ward, for coming on to the show and being such a great sport. I'm sure at some point in the future, we'll maybe get to meet in person and drink beer because it's long overdue. Uh, thank you for your insights. <laughs> always always great to hear your metaphors from real life and how they can relate back to the procurement tech world. For anyone that is listening, thank you for being a listener of the show. We know there are a lot of procurement podcasts out there these days, and most of them are actually pretty good. So we're very, very grateful that you've chosen to listen to this particular episode today. Don't forget to subscribe or even better, leave us a review if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts and then hopefully word will get around and we'll get more and more listeners who we can overcome with our, with our evangelism about modern procurement technology and how it usurps some of the legacy tech that is out there that as practitioners, we've probably all got frustrated with having to use at some point in the past. Take care wherever you are in the world, look after yourselves and we'll catch you again next week for another episode. Until then, bye for now. <laughs>